0: Welcome to this week's episode of Seen It All, where we break down this past week's biggest movie and TV news. And no movie is bigger this week than Creed 3. And first of all, I gotta say, I'm so happy to have another great film. Last week we got Cocaine Bear, that was a great film, and I'm glad I want to keep this rolling into March. But I do have to say, for my Creed 3 review today, I have a guest joining me, my brother Ashton. Hey there. Oh, yeah. He saw this movie with me, and what would you think of it, Ashton? It was a pretty good movie. It was film of the year for so far by me. Film of the year so far? Now, yeah. I don't know if it'd be Cocaine Bear for me. Cocaine Bear was amazing. I haven't seen Cocaine Bear yet, but yeah. I've heard great reviews about it. From me, specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, let's start off with some background knowledge. Ashton here has never seen a Rocky or a Creed film. Yes, I have. I've oh. seen
1: all the Rockies. But he
0: doesn't know he doesn't remember any of them then i've seen
1: I've, i remember the the one with the russian dude
0: okay i've seen rocky one i've seen the one with the russian dude rocky four IV, and i've seen rocky six haven't seen a creed film myself but after this movie now i gotta go watch them but um i love Sylvester salone same here <laughs> but there is some background drama going on he's in the current fight with the producer of the creed films Of the Creed and the Rocky films He felt he got screwed over With the producing deal he got So he's technically a producer on Creed 3 But he isn't his nor his family is getting any money So he's kind of stoking the flames behind the scenes And it's kind of put a damper On this film for me
1: I feel like he's a little overreacting Because the Rocky film Is the film that made him The film that created him Yeah
0: it gave him his start It helped him to go on to make as many movies as he did Yeah
1: like Predator
0: Yeah he's not in Predator that's Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers. Apollo Creed's in Predator.
1: Yeah, that's what I meant.
0: That's not Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone's the white dude. Oh. He's the he's Rocky. Well, I. Carl sworn. Weathers is Apollo. He's uh he's Michael B Jordan's. He's. Oh he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Adonis's dad. Mm-hmm. So, but um yeah, he gave him his start, and yeah. who would he? He got to direct. He got to write, and he got to star in that original Rocky. So, I think he should be thanking this producer for all he's given him. And I wish he was in this film. Although, it didn't really need him, but I'll take as much Rocky as I can get. Don't you agree? Yeah. Yeah? But, I think the real star here, the real star here, was, well, one, Michael B. Jordan's directing. His direction, specifically with the fight scenes, using anime influence, he really felt like every punch hit. Don't you agree?
1: Yeah, and there was a part in the movie where it separated the crowd from the fight and it was just them two no none of the crowd outside sounds
0: yeah so he took some stylistic choices with it which some people aren't gonna like ashton right here he didn't like it originally but i I I enjoyed it
1: i liked like the music and stuff in the background i didn't like having no announcer and just like a Mm -hmm. 1v1 fight with no background noise
0: yeah so you take it or leave it that thing but i think whenever jonathan majors uh, damien was taking cheap shots at people hitting each other in the arms i really felt that ashton was making fun of me because i kept making f- noises every time a hit made he's like shut up you're being really annoying but i was into it <laughs> but the other real star besides michael b jordan's directing i think is jonathan majors as damien he was great he, he
1: played the part great mm-hmm. but the one thing they didn't really do good on
0: we'll get to that in a second but i do have to say it makes me want to see ant-man again even though I really didn't like that film, just to go watch him play Kang again. Because yeah, Jonathan Kane Majors is great. Yeah, Kang the Conqueror. Yeah, Jonathan Majors. And this is the first time since 2010 Ant-Man opened number one. It was number one at the box office last weekend. And Creed Three now is going to open at number one. So he is number one back-to-back with different movies. This is incredible. He's on a hot streak right now. And now let's talk to this, some things we didn't like about his character, though. As Ashton was about to mention.
1: Uh, the the flashback him. parts to the part where he got arrested.
0: Uh, I feel like the... Uh, Don't explain the... The context around it, because that's kind of a mystery about the what's there. Yeah, don't explain that, but let's just say, he went to jail for something that didn't seem quite necessary. Yeah, it wasn't...
1: The conflict felt like it... It wasn't what... He didn't get the jail time he got.
0: He didn't deserve the jail time he yeah, got. Yeah, some of the conflict between him and Michael B. Jordan felt a, kind of a little forced, so I do have to say, and then the flashback scenes, the way they cut to them with the flashing lights, I didn't like it. I felt that's the one... Downfall. Michael B. Jordan's direction was using the flashback scenes, yeah. So, um and using those flashback scenes though with the villain this time, Adonis Michael B. Jordan's character, he went on a great personal journey throughout this through using the villain. So, I love the use of Jonathan Majors in this film. I also have to say the Spanish fighter was great. His action scenes were great.
1: Yeah, but, I loved the entry to one of his fights.
0: Yeah, he had a bunch of smoke effects and yeah, some, and he had
1: like uh, some old uh, Mayan
0: I stuff. Maybe, but he wore the mask yeah. He they had they had stuff. a bunch of different masks and stuff, so it was pretty cool.
1: I think it was Mayan. It might have been the Aztec <laughs> or one of those.
0: Something using his cultural background. Yeah, and because um, he was
1: he was from Mexico.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was, and his mom, his mom was. I, I
1: didn't really like his mom. She's kind of get on my nerves with all she had to. She kept chipe piping in for him and yeah it was and it was just kind of interrupting the scene yeah interrupting the moment <laughs> like
0: stop talking just yeah, let them get fight. back to the scene yeah they were
1: also <laughs> like that when they would cut out and it would go to the daughter of creed mm-hmm. yeah i didn't really like that i just wanted to get back to the creed part oh yeah
0: we're about to get to that but we also have to mention test thompson who played the creed's wife i'm not sure sh- can't remember exactly what her name oh, was. She did great. Yeah, she killed it with all her scenes. I love the way she supported him. And we also got a big characterization for her using her music career. So I thought that was pretty good. But let's talk about some of the things we didn't like in the film. It wasn't a home run, specifically the scenes with his daughter. I thought the stuff he taught her how to fight and some of the scenes at her school, I won't go in depth because I don't want to spoil anything. But I thought some of that stuff was unnecessary. It just added to the runtime. Yeah. You, yeah. And there agree.
1: was a part in like her school.
0: Don't don't give details.
1: I'm not giving details, okay. but it was kind of unneeded,
0: unnecessary. Yeah. Unnecessary some of, the, some of the stuff was unnecessary, but it's kind of building the groundwork for the future, <laughs> which they said they're going to make more Creed films when we'll talk about the box office results of this one. So it's it's showing that they're going to make more, but I don't know. I don't really. I haven't really fallen in love with his daughter yet, and I kind of just wanted to focus on him. Uh, Donis versus Dame, which was the heart of the film, and then the Spanish fighter was great as well.
1: Well, they're trying to set a
0: future for. Yeah,
1: the, yeah. That's. What I I, just I said. think the
0: spanish fighter might do you think he could be the future yeah i thought created. he did a good job i'm not exactly sure i think he might be a real fighter his acting was okay his acting wasn't comparable to all the other actors in the film but what was his name again felix i think it was his name in real life or in the movie excuse me and his action scenes were good i don't know talk about future of the franchise i'd rather them go and follow drago than anybody else because i thought he did pretty good but I'd say coming from someone who's seen very few boxing movies, I really enjoyed this film. I don't know if it's because I have low expectations for boxing movies. I haven't seen very many, so who knows? But we're definitely going to have to try to take our dad to see this. I'm mad he missed out, but he would lo- He's gonna love this film, don't you think, Ashton?
1: Yeah, he will mm-hmm.
0: really like this film. Yeah, his favorite, as I said before, is Rocky Six. He loves the coming, the coming out of retirement sort of films, coming back, newborn, and that's what Michael B. Jordan is, does in this movie. He comes out of retirement to fight Dame, so it totally is gonna relate to my father. And so, I definitely have to say, I recommend this film. Go out and go see it. Don't if you're this if you're make, trying to make a choice between the if you're trying to make a choice between this and cocaine bear definitely see cocaine bear still and ashton final thoughts on creed on creed 3
1: uh it's a pretty
0: that's a pretty great movie pretty great movie now before you go let's talk about the other people's reaction in box office so creed right creed 3 right now has an 88 percent on rotten tomatoes so that's everybody's loving it and i think audiences are gonna love it too oh
1: okay so this is being confirmed the actor who played felix is an, actually a professional boxer's names Tiofimo Te-
0: teofimo lopez okay i'm pretty sure you butchered that name but that yeah that, that's exactly what i thought yeah he's, he's an american a- professional boxer okay yeah his action scenes you definitely sold him but i thought someone was acting maybe that's why they let the mom talk so much because she was a better actor than him next
1: film i definitely next like creed i mm. definitely see more of him
0: oh yeah he's definitely going to show up again
1: he's a great he was a great actor
0: I don't know about that but he did good in his action scenes but um, so as I was saying everybody's loving this film it's projected to earn 39 to 44 million in its opening weekend the first Creed back in 2015 that earned about 30 million the second Creed earned about 35 and this one is continuing that trajectory and I think it could even open above 44 I think this could add a 45 to 50 million dollar range I'm thinking like
1: 54
0: 54 that's your prediction yeah that'd be wild I'm gonna stick with 46 what was the budget the budget, I believe, was $75 million, so it's got a good ways to go. The first one, they've con- upped the budget each time.
1: Wait, does, is the budget more than the film actually makes? No. You're oh, you're wa- saying first weekend. First
0: weekend, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, I was about to say, 54 is really <laughs> low number for...
0: <laughs> That's just for the opening weekend, and it's just is, for the U.S. How much is uh,
1: Cocaine Bear made?
0: Cocaine Bear, we're about to get to that, so... We'll talk about that in one second. But I do have to say this is continuing that trajectory. This is a great sign for the franchise. They already said they're planning future films. They definitely set it up with this movie. No post-credit scenes or anything. But I think it's it's going to overperform because we both think it's a great movie. Don't you agree? Yeah. Yeah. So any final thoughts before we let you go here? Oh, you want to stay on? Yeah. Oh, he's going to stay on for the whole podcast. Okay. I thought he was just going to come on for his Creed 3 review. So we'll stay on. And that'll do it for our Creed 3 review. Now let's move into this past weekend's box office. Let's talk about the failure of Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. So, Ant-Man in the U.S. it still held on to the number one spot, but it fell 69.9%. That is the biggest to 32 million this weekend. That is the biggest drop for any superhero film. More than more than Spider-Man: No Way Home, which opened to 260 million. More than Batman v Superman, which fell about 69%. That is just crazy, and it just goes to show. A bad word of mouth and it's it started with a 105 million opening and it made 32 million in the next week then the next weekend that's just awful and the only other film to fall more than it over that opened over 100 million was deathly hollows harry potter and deathly hollows part two and you know all the fan girls and fan boys made sure that's why that one fell out that one's understandable because everybody wanted to see that opening night but this one this one's not very good and so I just got to say, this film's probably gonna like make less than the second one, and maybe even the first Ant Man. Yeah, Ashton, I, I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it yet. Have you seen? Yeah, did you, you didn't listen? Did you not hear what I just said? Well, when did it come out? That's two weeks ago. I didn't like it, and not many other people are liking it either.
1: How was so, King to Conquer?
0: Well, you should listen to my podcast. But he was great. He was the best part of the film. Same with Michelle Pfeiffer. But Michelle michelle but this is not how marvel wanted to start off their faith their phase five they didn't this doesn't bode well for that future phase but i think guardians of the galaxy volume 3 can get it back on track ashton are you gonna see guardians of the galaxy maybe maybe you saw the first and second one with me
1: yeah i saw the first and second but i did not see this christmas special
0: you didn't see the wait really no oh my god it's amazing we're gonna have to get you to watch that and publicly Marvel isn't sweating one bit which they have to do they don't want to show they don't want to be afraid but they are pushing back a lot of projects they push back Marvel's to November they're only having two Disney Plus shows coming out this year so I think this is a wake-up call for Kevin Feige and he's gonna fix some mistakes he's made and I think Bob Chapek had a huge huge huge, made huge impact on how much content they were producing he overextended himself and right now worldwide Ant-Man is only at 363 million so who knows if this can even make a profit because it costs 200 million without advertising so well that's 130 right there uh, they, they don't get the full cut so theaters probably take about a third of it and then there's also marketing so this film probably co- ended up costing 250 to 300 million all said together only 30
1: million they've made so far no they haven't
0: I'm not saying they've probably made about 250 off of that right now so they probably need to get up to about 500 600 million to break break even so we'll see. So, let's transition to the other, the the good news for this past weekend's box office, box office. Cocaine Bear overperformed like Michelle and I predicted last week. It powered to a 23.3 million opening, coming in way above the predictions that we said last week of 15 to 17 million, and this has squarely to do with the incredible advertising this movie Wait, had.
1: It got like 100 more million than it was predicted.
0: No. It's projected to open to 15 to 17 million, and open to 23 million. What
1: thought you say? 230.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be incredible. It's has what any this movie film does. ever done that. I don't think so. No, no, What's no. the most? The most a film has ever made? Yeah. Oh well, Avengers: Endgame opened to like 350 million.
1: No, I'm saying, like opening weekend.
0: That's what I. That's what I mean.
1: Three hundred fifty million.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Ant Man has even made that yet, and it's been a couple weeks.
0: It's just right around there. Yeah. That's just incredible. That that film made so much money, but back to Cocaine Bear. Everyone is loving this movie and having a great time with the absurdity of it. Absurdity of it. It only made about five million overseas. This is definitely an American movie with the cocaine stuff. So it's surely going to turn a profit. It only costs thirty to thirty-five million. So it even has even if it has a B minus cinema score, which is pretty typical that's pretty good for a horror film i think it'll still leg out and hold quite well and this just goes to show the winning streak that universal has had they had violent night they had megan they had puss and The last wish and now they have this and so they're making ton of money so and then lastly for this weekend's box office jesus revolution That opened. That was the biggest overperformer, as it was projected to only make five to seven million, but ended up making fifteen million. These aren't my kind of films, but I respect those who like them. It received an A plus on Cinema Score, so that's incredible. So this is definitely going to leg out, especially in the South where I live. I know some friends that are absolutely love it, so I'm happy for them. And this was also made by the same studio that made I can only imagine that lagged out just made so much money. It made like eighty million off a really small budget. So they're just repeating the the success the success they had with that film. And then lastly for box office, I just have to mention Avatar Two dropped only twenty five percent this week, making around another five million dollars. Which is I just have to point out this movie is just making boatloads of money. It's just incredible. It's, it was once an amazing again. movie. Oh yeah, he went. That's the last movie you went saw. He loved it. So. Ashton, do you have to say anything else before you sign off with us today?
1: I s- never got to watch Postman Booth. I went to see it in theaters, but I left early.
0: No, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us, Ashton. Bye. Bye. Next topic we have today is about Avengers King Dynasty. So the writer of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, Jeff Loveness, I believe his name, has been he has been going on a tour throughout all the press, and I think it's because he's trying to save his job for Avengers Kang Dynasty, because he knows. He's screwed up. He screwed up with, with, um, with ant and the Lost Quantumania, because I heard it, and a lot of other people didn't like it, so I'd be surprised if he sticks around. I don't think he should stick around, so, but... This is what we've got so far with his ideas. He's mentioned a few key characters that are set to return for the Avengers movie. He mentioned Shuri's Black Panther, which is a great choice. Yelena Belova, which I think that's great coming off Thunderbolts, and now she's going to be in this. I love her character. He also talked about Namor, Moon Knight, and Daredevil, and I think those are all pretty solid choices i'm moon knight daredevil and namor aren't my favorite characters so i mean we'll see i don't know what all they can do i don't know what yelena belova and daredevil can do against kang but we'll see um but more importantly this is taking a side note from jeff loveness who just talked about all those characters trying to save his job but there's a rumor that came out and i say take this with a huge a huge grain of salt but this is coming from a rumor who predicted about the push who rumored that the pushback of those marvel films are coming a couple months ago and it all came to fruition so i would still say take a huge 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 grain of salt but let me just get to it he's saying that dr strange will serve as an antagonist in avengers king dynasty from Kang's perspective from Kang's perspective Kang is the hero trying to save the multiverse from dr strange whose variants have left incursions meaning dr strange's different versions of himself throughout the multiverse are causing universes to collapse to be destroyed and i love this idea i love dr strange dr strange is one of my favorite characters and i love multiverse of madness even though a lot of people didn't so i'm happy to see him play such a key role and i love the depth we're giving king here If this comes out to be true because a lot of people could seriously root for king and i love that and some people look some, some crazy people rooted for Thanos too but it's I love when they can do the same with Captain America Civil War where we had people vehemently defending being on Tony Stark's side or being on Steve Rogers' side King Cap all the way by the way but I love when they can get into the moral arguments and actually split up people in their views because you just know that this it's more like real life then because some people would support Kang here some people are going to support the Avengers so I think we're going to have if this comes to fruition I think we're going to have like three different groups here we're going to have some that are with Doctor Strange And then we're going to have some with Kang. Some of the Avengers, I bet, are going to go with Kang and help him out with this. And I think the third force would be our main protagonist. So probably the main Avengers, probably the main six with Shuri and maybe Yelena Belova and definitely Shang-Chi, something like that. And I don't trust Jeff Loveness to shake all this stuff out. This seems like a lot of stuff to keep focused for one movie, but... I like this idea. I gotta give him that. I think the idea for Doctor Strange sounds fabulous, so he has my interest peak, but after Ant-Man and the Lost Contamania, I don't I don't have a lot of faith in him. So I mean, I'll keep my hopes up, but we'll see. Next topic we have today is Last of Us, episode seven came out last Sunday night. And I gotta forewarn y'all, this was my least favorite episode this season, but I wouldn't say it's a bad episode. Um, All the episodes have been so good that my least favorite, it's still a good episode. I found it to be quite captivating. Um, It's just my least favorite because this this show has been firing on all cylinders. This week, we have another side story, like episode three with... um, with bill and frank and then like episode five with sam and uh, sam and henry which was my favorite of the my favorite of the side stories but this time we focus on ellie and her friend and her girlfriend riley this is like a flashback and right now at the end of the last episode we ended with joel getting stabbed so we do like a flashback as ellie is trying to save joel and we use the analogy of leaving someone behind to when ellie was left behind by her school best friend so i love i love the parallels that they set up here so i think it was a good place to place it in the story um the two actors storm reed who played riley and bella ramsey who as again plays ellie had great chemistry you could really feel the bonds they formed in the previous years that we didn't even get to see but you could tell they had been friends for years so, they visited an abandoned mall, which looks so much fun to me. I want to visit an abandoned mall. It looks... Maybe not with the zombies, but it looks so much fun. They have the arcade. It was great. They get to explore stores that were untouched and just got to hang out, and it looks so much fun. They rode a carousel that looked super crappy, even for 2003. They also went in a photo machine that also looked super crappy, even though it was 20- 2003. I mean, I wasn't alive then, but I mean... I expected better 2003 and Bella Ramsey really sold the reaction for someone who had never seen an escalator an escalator. She really sold it. A lot of not a lot of actresses could could have pulled that off. So and then they also used some great 80s music during the mall scene. So I'm a sucker for 80s music. Like I said last week with cocaine bear. So you play 80s music. I'm pretty much on board. They used Depeche Mode early in the season. It was just as effective. And they use uh, take on me. They use take on me. In this episode. And it was just great. They also stopped by the arcade. And they really bonded there. And I loved that to play Mortal Kombat. So all those scenes were great. I did feel though. It could have been shortened though. We didn't need like a full 45 minutes of wandering around the mall. Even though they were forming bonds. I didn't need it to be that long. So I know there's a lot of criticism, criticism with Mando's episode. Which we'll get to later. That it's too short. But sometimes I feel like with these HBO shows. It's a little too long. So there just needs to be a sweet spot. And. Although, I do have to say, those 45 minutes, it really built their bond for the closing scenes, but I still think they could have done faster. And I think that speaks to the writing of Neil Druckmann, who wrote this in episode two, I believe, while Craig Mazin, who's the showrunner, he also he's the one who came from Chernobyl, Chernobyl and he wrote... All the other episodes besides episode two in this one. And you can tell that Neil Druckmann has never written a screenplay because it took way too long to get the point of the episode. And he definitely could have shortened a few things out. So, but I do have to say, though, I do have to give him credit. He really delivered. On the emotional beats at the end of the episode, it also really helped that the actors sold those scenes. Specifically, Bella Ramsey. Let me just say, when she grabbed her arm and screamed, I felt it. I felt it, and the emotion got to me, and let's just say they let they left a lot up to the viewer, which, which I liked. I liked in some parts. I, I don't know. I haven't made up my mind about it. I liked it in retrospect, but I also wanted to see some of the aftermath, and you'll get what I say if you watch the episode, but some of it, you kind of let your mind do the thinking, which makes it even sadder, so... And then I'm really ready for the last two episodes, as I think the show is going to close out really strong, especially with the stuff that is left to play out, left to play out within within the game that I've heard about. I I can't wait. So I got a lot of faith in this show and to seasons two and maybe even season three. So we'll see. Next topic we have today is the SAG Awards. They are the Screen Actor Guild Awards. This is where where the where actors vote for actors, so it's vote peers voting for peers. So if you win this, it's basically meaning all all of your peers love you. And I think a lot of actors, this is probably up there with the Oscar winning. And you could definitely tell in all the actors' faces. But firstly, I want to talk about the show format. Netflix now is partnered with the show and is streamed live on YouTube this year. The actors weren't cut off in their speeches. There were no commercials, but instead those breaks were filled with past jokes from from previous shows and it was great it was absolutely great and there was no host no host and oscars please stop doing hosts it just takes away time from the winners and i don't need to see their bad stand-up comedy but let's start off with the tv winners um notably i'm just gonna mention some notable stuff amanda seyfried she was upset by jessica chastain i thought amanda was incredible in the dropout as elizabeth holmes but At least she won every other award that matters, specifically the Emmy. She won the Emmy, so hey, she got that going for her. I haven't seen Jessica Chastain, whatever she was in, but I was going for Amanda Seyfried. Her performance was just transformative. And then, let's talk about the big show winners. Abbott Elementary won Best Comedy Cast. I love this show, and I'm so happy for the love it's getting. Those actors deserve the world, and I'm so happy they're getting the recognition they deserve. And I also, tonight, when it was on, I didn't realize the woman who plays Melissa in the Abbott Elementary is from Parent Trap, where she's the dad's assistant. I didn't know that, and it was great. And she also plays my favorite character on the show, Melissa, and I love her character. She's great. She's a Philly sweetheart, and she's definitely my favorite character, along with Barbara. And then I also just got to give a shout-out to Quinta Brunson. Quinta Brunson, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce her last name, but she is she wrote the show she stars on the show and she's just she's fantastic and i'm glad they're all these actors are finally getting their big break because they totally deserve it and then the other big tv show the night that won that was for comedy now the drama white lotus won they uh jennifer coolidge won for her performance and i'm sad to say sad to see her leave the show after the end of season two but i'm glad she's finally getting her dues just like the Abbott elementary class Abbott elementary cast and she gave a wonderful speech that it just made me so happy for her seeing how hard she's worked over like 30 plus years that she's worked and she's finally getting all these awards all this recognition and i hope she continues to find great work because she's just an amazing person and she's also one of my favorite comedians she's so funny if she was gonna host oscars i'd be all four hosts so just throwing that out there no more jimmy kimmel i want I want Jennifer Coolidge to host the Oscars. And then White Lotus also won for best cast overall, and I think that's fabulous. It was one of my favorite shows of last year, and all the cast members did a fantastic job. I got a shout-out Aubrey Plaza. I love Aubrey Plaza, so that's just fabulous. I think they got it extremely right with the TV. Now, let's move into the film. Everything, everywhere, all at once, my favorite film of last year, up there with Avatar The Way of Water, won the most amount of awards ever at the SAG Awards. It won four jamie lee curtis she she beat angela bassett who was the favorite to win in best supporting actress and i think the oscar still still and will it will and should go to angela bassett for black panther that performance just put me in a trance but jamie lee curtis gave an incredible touching speech and i wouldn't be mad if she won the oscar she mentioned she was a nepo baby and i thought that was hilarious she she took pride in it and but i do have to say i think stephanie shu if we're gonna pick someone from everything everywhere all at once i think stephanie shu should win for for this film over jamie lee curtis and supporting actress but i also have to say i love that jamie lee curtis called out michelle at the end of her speech michelle yo and i just love that she called out her name and she got them everybody to chant and the, the love that they have for each other is just it's just palpable and I, it's contagious i love it and then another award for the film kei Hui kwan one here just like every other award show. And I'm just repeating this at myself at this point. But I'm so glad he's back. And he is totally winning that Oscar for the incredible, incredible performance he gave. Michelle Yeoh also upset Cate Blanchett. And i'm so happy about this kate blanchett already has her oscar and michelle yo even got me to tear up with her speech her dress got in the way though Wait, let me just say the dress mm, not very good but she's been working for half a century and she's finally getting her her awards i really really hope she gets an oscar for this award she deserves the world and then the film the fourth award the film won is they won for best overall cast basically the best picture at the show, and they let James Hong accept 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 it for them, and he gave a incredible speech, and I love the joke he made at the end saying, Michelle, if they try to cut him off, they'll have Michelle beat up, beat up the people trying to cut them off, and this man is 94, and he's still spreading the joy, I love him, he was great in the film, I'm glad he's still acting, he was Poe's dad in Kung Fu Panda, that's where I first met him when I was younger, so he's just a great actor, my dad loves him, so, and with all these wins here, it looks like Everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win Best Picture, and I couldn't be more happy about it. Oscar betting came out in Las Vegas, and it seems like everything, everyone wants is the heavy front frontrunner in a lot of, a lot of sections. I can see it winning like six Oscars. So, and then lastly, I do have to mention that Brendan Fraser he won Lead Actor, which makes the Oscar race for Best Lead Actor even more confusing. It's like a three horse race. Three horse race. I want it to go to Austin Butler, but I don't really have a favorite out of the three. That being Brendan Fraser, Austin Butler, and Colin Farrell. I, I want it to go Austin Butler, but I, could, I would be happy for any of the winners here. So, I don't know. It's very confusing. I, I wouldn't place any bets on this because I have no idea who's going to win. And then, this is also a win for A24, as this is the first time one studio they made The Whale, which Brendan Fraser was in, and they also made Everything Everywhere All at Once, where they won every acting category and film at the SAG. It's just incredible what they have put to screen. So... I just got to say, in total, the Sags were an incredible hit, and I can't wait to tune in next year. Now, Oscars, can you please follow in the footsteps of this? Don't mess this up, please. This was a great show. Please continue that legacy. So, But I don't have high hopes for them, So, but we'll see. And then, next topic we have is a Peter, Pander, Peter Pan and Winnie trailer dropped. So, this trailer had no right being as good as it is, and I fiercely have to say that this is coming to April 28th, Disney+. Plus. Let me repeat that disney plus which is absurd why are we not releasing this theatrically we are, they are leaving so much money on the table <clears throat> excuse me a lot of these films make bank i want to see this in a, in a theater did the live action remake of pinocchio that went on to disney plus that starred tom hanks do any good just being on there i mean it wasn't very good but still would have made money i would have liked to see that in a film rather than sit at home and watch it on my computer so thank god bob Iger fired the man who's putting all these films on disney plus but I still think bob eiger could have moved this theatrical because why not why are we leaving all this money on the table i want to see this in the theater so a little tangent there but now let's get to the trailer itself i love the wendy casting who's uh mila Yokovic's daughter and I the exact same but i thought she was a grown adult for a second but i think she was great i originally did not like the peter pan's casting i thought he looked way too young But I still think he looks too young. But he has a really deep voice, which really surprised me. Maybe I think British people all have deep voices to me, but I don't know. I'm still, I'm still, I guess I have to see more of the Peter Pan casting before I make my final decision on it. But I think he just looks a little too young. Maybe I like that 2003 Peter Pan too much. And I, in my brain, when I go back to the original, watch the original Walt Disney animated film, he just, he kind of feels like a 15 year old to me, not like a 12 year old, so tinkerbell she looks great as well she's the actress from modern family and i think the race spinning worked out extremely well for them but the casting i'm really excited for out of all these is that of captain hooks who's being played by jude law I think he's going to eat up this role. And he already looks great in the glimpses we saw of him. The action looks great from what I saw with the sword fighting and the flying, the, the, all the flying scenes and the flying pirate ships. So I think that all looks great. The CGI, specifically on the flying scenes, even looked, I think it looked better than the Little Mermaid, which still looks a little dodgy. Please don't mess this up, Ron Howard. It's not that hard to make a good underwater scene. We've seen it with Aquaman and Avatar The Way of Water. So. So I just gotta say, the CGI on the Disney Plus movie looks better than the Little Mermaid movie that's coming out. But, um, speaking of Little Mermaid and Peter Pan, why do we have to make all these live-action remakes all have a dull color palette? First Little Mermaid, and now this. It's ridiculous. Some of the scenes aren't lit very well, and I don't understand. The clock scene, the, the, the flying scenes next to Ben-Ben clock, big Ben clock they look beautiful but other than that it looked pretty dull color wise to me so it's ridiculous peter pan is my favorite walt disney animated film so please please don't let me down disney i do got faith that this is being made being made by the director of green knight i haven't seen that but i've heard really good things about it but he also made peach dragon so that was a great film so i i got hopes so this trailer was so good it, i i did not expect it to be like this i'm mad it's being relegated to the small screen but Hey, I'm still going to be there. I just wish I could be there in a theater. So. And then we also got another Disney trailer trailer this week. We got our first trailer for The Haunted, Manage, Haunted Mansion. I have less to say about this trailer because I'm less familiar with the source material. I've been to Disney World, but I haven't rode The Haunted Mansion myself. And I got to say, the cast looks great. I don't like Jared Leto though. I really don't like that man with all his controversies just being a weird person that i really don't like and i don't understand how he has an oscar but other than that jamie lee curtis is in here love her danny devito that was a huge surprise owen wilson i loved his joke he made about he's just gonna make the ghost deader it was so funny it's classic owen wilson he better say wow rosario dawson was great coming off Ahsoka and now this and it's a weird cast but i love them all together so and then lakeith stanfield is in this so I don't know, they just got, the cast has got me extremely hyped for this, and they also have the mood set down pat, the atmosphere, and it looks like they spent a good amount of money on this film, the CGI looked pretty good, all the scares, it looked scary, but yet it looked fun, so I can't wait to see, I can't wait till we see a bigger look and then the actual film, but I'm very excited excited to see this July 28th, and I'm also very excited that it's releasing in theaters, thank you Disney, thank you for not putting this on Disney Plus, thank the lord, now just change it from Peter Pan, please. And then, the last, last major topic we have today is my Mandalorian. Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 1 review. I do gotta warn, there are spoilers ahead. There's gonna be spoilers for all my Mandalorian reviews, so I'll save them until the end of the episode so you can leave if you haven't seen it yet. But, I gotta say, Mando is back, baby! After waiting two years, even with the boba fett episodes i'm so happy to be back watching this show even if it's at 2 a.m disney please change the release times please change them to 8 p.m like hbo but i will still be there i'll be there at 2 a.m like i always am so i'm i miss i don't know if i miss the 2 a.m part but i miss this tradition of watching mandalorian i wish it was still on fridays too now it's on wednesdays but let's start off with the runtime i honestly thought we got a ton of story and action scenes for only 35 minute runtime so i felt satisfied the scenes could have breathed a little more with a longer runtime, but I don't know. Keep them short and sweet. Don't I don't need an hour and a half episodes for Mandalorian. But Mando is great as he's always be, he's being a badass like he always is. And I think we might have some of the best Grogu moments of the Grogu moments of the entire series in this episode. Him squeezing the Babu freak creatures was adorable, and then him cuddling up with Mando and the ship, him coming from the top to the bottom, just cuddling, cuddling up under his arms was just it was adorable. I love him and disney purposely did this they're gonna make tons of toy sales even more than they already have but the bond these two it have is immeasurable and if they ever separate grogu and mandalorian again i'm gonna lose it they better not i love them so much together and then the action scenes were great too with mando having to evade pirates and a great space action scene i love the n1 starfighter and its maneuvers and how fast they can go i still miss the big bulky razor crest but this this ship's much more agile and much better for action scenes, so I like that. And then the other action, major action scene we got was the opening with the new Mandal with the new Mandalorian getting his helmet put on the lake. I totally thought it was a flashback to Din. It kind of tricked us out. But then the giant crocodile attacks. I love the giant. I love the giant creatures attacking the Star Wars. I love it. You can never get enough of it. And then this action was also a lot more violent than the usual Disney Plus action scenes. We had a lot of people getting eaten. When Mando came and shot it with his N1 Starfighter, a lot of guts exploded. So, and... It's just another great intro to Mandalorian. He always... Mandalorian has the best entrances. He's such a badass. I love him. And then next up, we got to see Grief Karga, now the Magistrate Karga. I love Carl Weathers. And he's really changed Navarro, the planet, from the three times we've seen it. He's changed it a drastic amount and he's changed it for the better i love the little droids that carry his cape and his interactions with mando are always great and then the shootout he had with the pirates was a classic western scene and i loved every bit of it i did miss cara dune though she's kind of off they gave an explanation that she's off world now that she turned him off getting in and i hope they just recast her because i liked her character and the character is always more important than the actor so and then, a major story point of the season coming out, they they, they tried to revive IG-88 from the first season, and we had this Terminator-like scene, so I thought that was pretty cool. And now Mando has his goal, to get a new memory circuit board, and to rebuild the droid. And then, last part of the episode, we met up with bo who's brooding in her castle, apparently, and Katie Sackhoff she did a great job with the with the few few lines she had but i love that she refers to mando lorian as belonging to a cult and i love that she calls him by his full name dinjarin to mock him and she's just so pissed she's so pissed that he has a dark saber all of her forces left her they took all the ships they stole they stole they stole a lot of big ships and they just all just left her so mandal mando is now going to go to mandalore He's going to bathe to get his forgiveness. And then my theory is he's going to find out that Mandalore is habitable and he's going to go back and tell Bo-Katan and then a Mandalorian Civil War will break out over who has control of the planet. They're going to have the Mandalorians take off their helmets for some Mandalorians that are part of the cult and I'm going to be all here for it. I'm ready for a Mandalorian Civil War. And then Rick Famuyula directed this week's episode. He did a fabulous job. He's now an executive producer on this show and he's joined and helped writing for season three. So I think it's just going to elevate the season even even above the first two. And I gotta say, I love his episode six, the first season. That one doesn't get talked about enough. That heist episode, I loved it. So I'm all here for it. And then next week's episode, it's supposed to be even longer and even better this one. So I can't wait till 2 a.m. next Wednesday. I will be here for it. And my review for that will come on next week's episode and then speaking of next week let's just talk about lastly the next the new movies that are coming out next week we have two movies opening wide next week and i'm going to be trying to do a double feature to to review them both and i think i will be able to but i'm going to start out seeing 65 and then i think i'm going to try to see scream 6 next but speaking of scream 6 which which opens next week i've only seen scream 5 which i loved and i can't wait the story to be moved to new york i think this is just going to be great setting for the scream franchise i wish Nev campbell was in it and that's i wish she was in it i wish they gave her money to be in it because she was she's the main part of the scream franchise so i don't know about that and then the movie only took one year to make so i really hope they didn't rush it but i still have high hopes for this film especially with jenna ortega starring i love her i can't get enough of her and now she's a worldwide phenomenon so that's going to do great bode great for this film and then 65 as i was saying the adam driver film also opens next week and i love the trailers for this film but the studio is not showing a lot of hope in this film tickets finally went on sale but it took them a while and there was rumors that came out saying it tested horribly and they tested it very recently and they still haven't decided on an ending but i wouldn't believe that but i want a good dino movie i love dinosaurs i would go see anything with the dinosaurs so hey that's all you got to do. You just got to give me some fun dinosaur action scenes, and I will be pleased. But it's not looking too good for this film. This film costs $90 million to make, and its I don't think it's going to make very much money, but I will be there. I will be there. If it's good, I will be forcing everyone I know to go see it, because dinosaurs are amazing. And then, so, I'm so excited to see it, so, but we'll see. So, and... That'll do it for this week's episode of Scene It All. What did you think of Creed 3 and The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 1? Let me know, and make sure you follow follow me on social media at scene it All Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So, I have all the social medias, so just go ahead and give me a follow there, and you'll have updates on when we drop new episodes, and I give short little blurbs of my reviews right when I get out of the theater, so follow me there, and then I will hopefully see you all next week for my review of at least Scream 6 and hopefully 65. So thank you all so much for joining me. I hope y'all enjoyed Ash coming on the show. I enjoy him coming on and y'all have a good night now. Bye-bye.